Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and our mission is for you to know God and make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how you can partner with us, please go to fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Anyway, we believe in all that God has for us and all that He is. He can't give us what He is not. He is the Lord that heals. He shall know the truth and the truth sets you free. He doesn't leave us in his bondage. He takes the grave cloths off. He gives us a new heart. He gives us life and life more abundant. And so we want to enter into Christ. So I have a sermon. It's kind of a teaching. It's kind of part one and part two. But the thing I want to mention to you is that I feel it's a good subject God has given me. How many feel like God has really blessed your life? How many are thankful for what he has done for you? And what a heritage we have. Not only does he bless us, but our families. Yeah, raise your families for Jesus. So what was God's purpose in saving us? Was it just to whitewash our sins, forgive us? Was it just to give us a home in heaven or know that we're saved? I believe and I want to substantiate to you today that the purpose of salvation was to make us like him. And so I want to ask you a question and it's kind of the title of what I'm going to be speaking at. It's a good thought to consider. Are you like Jesus? I didn't ask you if you're forgiven. That comes when you come to him. I don't ask you if you're a church member. I'm not asking you if you believe all the doctrines of the church. Salvation by faith, water baptism, all right, holy living and the second coming and all of the gifts and all of the things. We all believe those, but my question is, are you like Jesus? Well, I want to remind you that God made us like him. Adam and Eve were made in his image. We're going to see that. I want to remind you that the thing we lost in the fall were two things, fellowship with God and Christ-likeness. And those are the two things God wants to bring back. And those, that's why he saved you. Come on. He's making us like Jesus, and he's restoring fellowship with God. Hallelujah. That's it. I'm finished now. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1 and see how the Bible clearly says that we have been made in his image, which has tremendous ramifications. Chapter 1 and verse 26, 27, 28. I'd appreciate if those verses are up there. That's such a help. All right, thank you. I want to mention here 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then it talks about giving him dominion over the fish and the fowls and the cattle and all the creeping things. And we're just going to leave that there though. But look at verse 27. Will you read that with me, verse 27? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him Male and female created he them. You see how many times image is used in these 
verses. God made you in his own image. And thank God he gave mankind a very special blessing. I'm just going to read the beginning of verse 28. It says, and God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. That's the family, folks. It's comprised of a man and a woman. Did you hear me out there? That's the family God made. What man makes, that might be another thing. But God made Adam and Eve. And he made them in his likeness. And he made them for fellowship with God. He made them to walk with him. Let's look at chapter 2 and verse 7. I'm going to read it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Let's reread that. Could you read it with me? And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. That word living means eternal. Hmm. I'm not just living now. I'm going to live forever. And so are you. In fact, those that don't know Christ are going to live forever too. Jesus said, he that believes on me hath eternal life, but he that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Now God is not angry with us. He cannot justify sin until you're justified by the blood. He's done everything he can that will all go to heaven. In fact, the Bible says, whosoever will may come and take of the water of life freely. And you know, I just want to mention a little word. You know, I was raised in a church where we never heard about being saved. I didn't know why Jesus died on the cross. When someone came to me and said, you can have all of your sins forgiven, and you can be born again and have new life in Jesus, and you can know that you're going to heaven, I said to myself, what could be wrong with this plan? I mean, I didn't even think about it. I believed in Jesus. I wanted to please God, but thank God for the word of God. Oh, praise God that the word of God came into our family. The word sets you free. Stick to the word, folks. And the Bible says we are justified freely by the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Grace means a merited favor. We're justified by his grace freely. He paid the price. Come to him. He has good things for us. But it's not just forgiveness. It's not just blessing. We don't just live for ourselves. Don't you think it's right that we give ourselves back to God? I was so glad we sang I Surrender All because I've been thinking today, Jack, so good to have you. I've been thinking today how special it is that God has given himself to us and now we have the privilege of giving ourselves back to him to be made like him. Remember my question is, are you like Jesus? Well, to get back to our verse, we are eternal beings. We are going to live forever. And so we better make sure we... We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by him. But when we come to him, we are born again of the Spirit, and we receive new life in Jesus. Now in the next chapter here, as I mentioned, Adam and Eve are made in his image. They have full fellowship with God. Um, they walked with God in a very special way. And then in chapter 3, unfortunately, and without going into it, you know most of the story or all of it, 
Adam and Eve fell. They partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They rebelled against God and something terrible happened. Fellowship with God was broken. We're going to look at that in Romans in a minute. But before we look at that, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 15. And right after this garden experience, right after in the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fall. God speaks to the serpent in verse 15. And he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Who is the seed of the woman? Jesus Christ. It tells us that in Galatians. So this is the first prophecy, the first word given about the coming of the Messiah right after the fall because God right away wanted to start making back a way where God would be able to restore mankind. Salvation is all about restoration. It's all about bringing us back to fellowship. It's all about making a people that know him and walk again. That's how he made us. That's what he wanted. And so the Lord says, I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is certainly a reference to the fact that when Jesus was nailed with those spikes to the cross, his heel was bruised, bruised, his whole body was bruised. But Satan's head through the gospel would be crushed. Hallelujah. Satan has been dethroned. All power is given unto Jesus in heaven and earth. And we're going to talk about what that power is doing in you in a minute. But thank God. Now I thought of this word head. You know the head is very important. The head actually controls every single thing in your body. In fact I was shocked years ago I had acupuncture. And I had nausea, very terrible nausea, night and day. I couldn't get rid of it, no matter how many Pepto-Bismos I drank. <laughs> so I went to this doctor who was a chiropractor, and he said, I think I can help your nausea. So what he did is he gave me acupuncture, and he put these tiny, tiny little needles in certain spots. And the science behind it is when you touch that nerve, it signals to your head and says, we need help. Well, the doctor put the needles in and he walked out of the room. And I said to my wife, I said, the Lord gave me a word. She said, what? I said, hocus pocus. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't believing this thing was going to work at all. Folks, I haven't been nauseous to this day. The head controls the body. Everything we do comes from the head. Hallelujah. And how we need to recognize that now Satan's head's been crushed. And the Bible says Christ is the head of all things to his church. The fullness of Jesus fills every one of us. He is your head. He is your God. He is going to come and eradicate the effects of sin. He is on the business of making us like Jesus. Oh, praise God. All right. Now, I want to go on in this. If you turn with me to... Romans chapter 5, what a wonderful portion of scripture Romans chapter 5 is. And the book of Romans at large, Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, 
We have some verses that relate to what happened to Adam and how Adam's sins affected all of us. In, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says this, Wherefore, as by one man's sin, one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Wow. Wherefore, Adam, by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. And ladies, that includes you. We are born sinners. Not because we've sinned, but because we are sinners. We are born sinful. I've often said you don't need to teach a child to be selfish. You don't need to turn, teach someone to get angry. It just comes kind of naturally, doesn't it? But boy, we need to teach forgiveness, don't we? We need to teach love. We need to teach and we need to study Christ-likeness. What was he like? The Bible talks much about what he wants us to make and what it is to be in his image. But death passed upon all men for all sinned. And then it talks about the free gift. And I'm thankful there is a free gift. You didn't do anything to become a sinner. You're just born. And the Bible says you didn't do anything to become righteous. Christ gave you his righteousness. In Adam we all die, in Christ we're made alive. It says that the first Adam was a living soul. The second Adam, the Lord from heaven. As we have borne the image of the earthly Adam, we will bear the image of the heavenly Jesus. How many want to bear the image of, he of Jesus? Folks, I want to tell you, it's really, really what we should give back to him. And you know, there's many Christians that can really and we can hold our lives back and selfishly live with the forgiveness and the salvation and knowing we're going to heaven, but not really give to God what he really intended us to get, which was to get back his image. I'm going to prove it to you. Yeah. Some folks think, oh, you know, I heard in some churches they pray, Lord, we'll always sin, we'll always be... You know, sinful. Folks, I know we'll always be in the natural, but we don't live in the natural. We have the Holy Ghost in us. We have the Spirit of God. We've been born again from above. We have a new seed of this glorious Christ who conquered sin, and he's in you to conquer. Hallelujah. Thank God. He's here to make all things new. Thank God he's doing it. So then it goes on. Look at verse 17. Read it with me. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned by one, much more they that receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. And Adam's had quite an effect, hasn't he? We look around, we don't have to wonder if Adam sinned and death passed upon all. But God has done something mighty. He sent Jesus Christ and he said, in Jesus Christ shall all be made alive. It's the gift of righteousness and those that come and receive it shall reign. Hallelujah. Reign. Reign in life. John, why don't you turn that down a little bit? I might get a little more excited yet. Hallelujah. <laughs> Turn it down. Rain in life.
Aren't you glad you can reign? You've been called to reign. And I believe those who've let him reign here are going to reign there. I believe it would have reigned throughout all eternity. But it's not just enough to go to heaven with sins forgiven. He wants to see his image stamped upon the heart of his people. And that's what he's going to do. All right, I want to go on then. I want you to look at the process. First of all, I remind you that we all were sinners, as we already mentioned. But it talks here about the love of God that our brother John spoke to us about earlier. In chapter 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But read with me verse 8. This is a great verse. Let's read it. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. All right, together, let's read it. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I like to use that word shows. But God shows his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In another place it says, if he died for us and freely gave himself for us, how shall he not with Jesus freely give us all things? God doesn't do anything halfway. He's begun a good work in you and he's going to finish it. But it's backed up by his love, folks. Remember, the love of God is so important. He loved you when you didn't love him. He loved you when you were running from him. He loved you when you were sinning willfully, knowingly. He chased you down. Hallelujah! Turn me down. Hallelujah. By executive order, hallelujah. <laughs> Some folks think I'm all sweetness and light. I have this cherubic, happy demeanor. But folks, I'm strong about what I'm strong about. I believe in Jesus. And folks, this is not a practice run. This is the real deal. This is the finished race. And we got a call. We got a call to be like him. But God loved us. And God gave himself for us. When we didn't care about him, we didn't want him. How much more now should he love us? I want to tell you a story comes to me. I don't know if I should tell it, Ruth. Pray for me. But I got a friend saved next door. His name was Nicky. But before he got saved, he was an old friend. I had gotten saved first and I withdrew from hanging out with the crowd. But I had to tell Nicky something. I completely forget what that was. So I went to his house, but I was not feeling like I was doing so well in my Christian life. So I rang Nicky's doorbell and I smelt this very strange smoke. And then upstairs, there was stuff going on. And I walked home saying, thank you, Jesus. I am a new creature. I am changed. I never did a whole lot of that. But I was saved at 17 in New York. And getting saved in New York at 17 is like 35 down here. <laughs> and I needed some changing. 
and I'm glad that God changed me. Hallelujah. There's nothing in sin, folks. Let me just remind you of that. There's nothing to go back for, young people. There's nothing to hanker over. There's nothing but death in those things. Nothing but regrets in those things. God has given us a way of life, of glory. Hallelujah. How many believe it? Why don't you shout in this house that we have a new way, a new life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. So, God shows his love toward us. So you're thankful for God's love. Remember, he backed it up. He loved us first. But then look what it says, verse 9. Much more then. Why? Much more why? Because of his love. Being now justified by his blood. Folks, this is important. Some folks try to get themselves saved. They think they got to get good enough to get saved. You don't have to do anything to get saved. Jesus did it all for you to get saved. You just need to come to him and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly the first word is repent. We know that. That's important. Much more than being now, not in heaven. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to find out if you're saved. You're saved and you're justified now. The word justification is the same as reconciliation. There's synonyms. It means God looks at you like he looks at his son, Jesus Christ, just as if you have never sinned because of the blood of Jesus, not the bloods of lambs and goats that covered Israel's sin for a year, which was God's provision, looking for Christ. We have been forgiven of all of it. Much more than we shall be saved from wrath through him. That wrath was, of course, his righteous indignation because of sin. Now we're reconciled to God. But follow it with me. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, that was before we came to Christ, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son after we come to Christ, how much more shall we be saved by his life? Now, that's a little hard to understand, a little harder at least. Let me explain it to you. When you're born again, you're not born again just because you think Jesus is the Savior. You're born again as you receive Jesus as your Savior. And when you receive him as your Savior, you are born again of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you are regenerated and you are born again and you are saved and you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. What is the Holy Spirit? It's the life of Jesus. Oh! I don't know the interpretation of that. The life of Jesus is in you to produce the very nature of Jesus in our lives. I think it's interesting when Jesus gives his talk in John 14, 15, 16, he doesn't mention tongues in connection to the baptism, although I believe in tongues. He doesn't mention gifts, although I believe in the gifts. He mentions fellowship. And that day he shall know that I'm in the Father and ye in me and I'm in you. John 16, I'm going to guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is going to glorify me. Folks, we need to get it. The manifestations are wonderful. But the thing that God really wants and the goal of God is changed lives. Fellowship with God. Brought into life changing where once you were bound by anger, but now you stay sweet. I'm working on that. 
Once things affected you and led you astray, and now you can stand and say, nothing, I won't have it. Once you were bound, once there was addictions, and now those addictions are out. Because God has the power over every addiction, and he wants to set us free. Thank God. He wants us to reign in life, and actually I should say it this way, his life wants to reign in you. Jesus wants to reign in you. Jesus wants to give you his love, his joy, his peace, his gentleness, his meekness, his temperance, his goodness, his faith. Against such, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is Jesus. It's what he's like. God wants us to be like Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel something stirring in my soul. I got to finish, though. And so Romans chapter 6, it goes on. Boy, the book of Romans is great. And it tells us how God does this for us. And it's all about the cross. Look at Romans 6, verse 3. It says, Know ye not that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Jesus didn't only die, but we died with him when we associate with him. And then it says this, look at verse 4. Why don't you read it with me? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we all should walk in newness of life. That life is in you. It's the life of Jesus. It's not your natural life. It's not your own personality or kindness. It's something God imparts to you where he gives you himself and he begins to speak through you and you think different and he begins to live in you by the life of God. Listen, I love the Old Testament. I preach from it. I believe it. I love the Jewish economy. I thank God for Israel. I pray for them. But you know, they lived under a different economy. Turn with me to chapter 8. And here's the victory, folks. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Let me read it again. The law of sin and death or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That's all that stuff that's in the natural man. That's all that death stuff that we inherited by Adam. All this law of sin and death has been eradicated by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And now hath he quickened you who were dead in trespasses and sins, it says in Ephesians 2. Yes, we inherited death, but folks, we found Jesus. Satan's head is crushed, and now we're under the headship of Jesus Christ. And he is within us, and his life is within us, and that life is greater than death. How do I know? Because he raised him from the dead. Ah, no wonder Jesus sweat drops of blood. Just imagine all the death, the sins of the whole world laid upon him. If Jesus' sacrifice had not been efficacious, he would not have been raised from the dead. But Peter said, it is not possible that death should hold him. Why? Because he did no sin. Hallelujah. 
And really, when you think of resurrection, what God was saying, I receive the sacrifice of my son. The redemption is adequate. My people are set free. I raise them up to be new creatures in Christ Jesus. I give them my life and the life of my son to live in them. They can't live it so well, but I'll let my son come in. He knows how to do it. Why are you so quiet? It's getting quiet in here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look what it says here. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. How many know we're weak? You ever been disappointed with yourself? Come to the end of yourself and put your trust in the life, the victorious life in you. Am I right, brother? For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now listen to this. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Do you see how God came to make us righteous? Jesus came so in us that old man could be broken and we could be new creatures in Christ Jesus. Now I have a verse, a wonderful verse that's going to substantiate everything I've said because I like to be logical. Let's just go through Romans. Chapter 1 and chapter 2. Degradation of man. God concludes all under sin, Jew and Gentile. Chapter 3, 4, and 5, we need to be justified as Abraham by believing God. Chapter 6, we go into being buried with him and raised. But chapter 7, Paul brings us to the place where we have struggles at times. The enemy's not going to let us go. We still have that natural man and there will still be temptations. So if you look at Romans chapter 8, look what it says here. In verse 18, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Folks, we go through some things. And sometimes there's suffering and sometimes the suffering is putting off that old man. Walking away from that old crowd. Getting the mind of Christ and stop just looking back perhaps and going our own sinful ways. Christians are tempted also. Ah, is Sister Donna the only one tempted here? <laughs> Christians are still tempted and we suffer. And sometimes it's a hard way. But look what it says, this. That the glory, the sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 28, he works all things together for good to them that love God. Not only the good things, but the hard things. In fact, I want to tell you as a pastor, the times that I grew the most in my life were times when I went through hard trials. Times when I suffered through depression but I got the victory by the life of Jesus Christ. 
My depression wasn't clinical. I believe it was attack of the enemy. But I learned to praise the Lord. You know, when you praise the Lord, the life of God will eradicate the death and you'll come into a new position. We're going to give a talk someday. Steve's going to tell us how he was really brought into Christ through worship. Folks, we can sing, we can praise, we can pray, and we can count on the fact that God is greater than our trial and he will bring you out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you in trials and you're thinking, oh, well, the last trials weren't so hard, but this one. I want to tell you today, God has a will and a victory for you to have in this trial. Think it not strange concerning the trial is to try you, although some strange things happen, but the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. Because God has a victory for us. But the end result of every trial, this walk, and his purpose over us is in chapter 8, verse 29. I want you to look at it with me. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. And so as I mentioned, we go in chapter 7. And we have Paul's struggle. You know, Paul knew it too. He said, you know, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? And he found out it was the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. And then in chapter 8, we come into the wonderful law in the Holy Spirit. It says, if we live in the flesh, we shall die. And let me tell you, Christians, we can be saved and still live in the flesh. I'm tired of this gospel where we want everything free. We have this consumer mentality. Oh, God just loves us. Everything's going to come our way. No, there's a fight and you're in it. But I want to tell you, you have a victorious Christ in you. Count on him. Seek him. Live in him. The more trials you go through, the more victory you're going to have. The more you prove him in your hours of darkness, the more that light's going to shine and the more you're going to be sent out to help others that go through the same thing. I had that sickness. I was healed. I had depression. He set me free. Thank God. God wants to raise up strong Christians that are becoming like him. Fellowship is beginning to be restored. They're beginning to walk with him. Hallelujah. I'm getting real excited now. They're beginning to know him. Church will fail you. Pews will fail you. You get tired of doctrine and just living in the natural. The thing that God wants to do in our lives is he wants us to get filled with Jesus. Get excited about him. Get in fellowship with him. He did predestine them. This is the end, folks. It's not being a pastor. It's not being used as a gift. It's not having blessing, although he gives all of those things. The end and the pinnacle that Paul gives us in Romans is to be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I get to heaven, I don't think God's going to ask me how big my church was. How many sermons did I preach? Over 5,000. not going to ask me that. He's going to look in my heart and he's going to want to see the image of his son. Hallelujah. I want to strengthen something today in you. You are called to be like Jesus. 
You are called to have fellowship. You don't have to be a missionary, evangelist, a pastor, an apostle to have fellowship with God. You just need to love him. Ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, thank you. All right, I'm going to close here. Just two verses I have for you. Amen. Praise God. My Bible's giving me a hard time. Now, little children, abide in him. And when he shall appear, we shall have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. How many want to see his face? How many want to hear, well done? <laughs> not all my, oh my. How many want to hear and see that everything he had for you are yours, Brother Gary? You didn't miss it. You didn't waste your time on the things of this world. So this morning what the Holy Spirit is endeavoring to do is refocus us that why we're on earth and the purpose for our being in Christ is to let him reign and cause his image to be revealed in my life. Not just to thank the things of God and enjoy it. Not just to claim all the promises. Oh, all the promises of God are mine. The lightness today. The lack of repentance concerns me. The lack of travailing at the altar. The lack of cry. God, take over. I miss it, folks. But I believe in this place and in the church we're going to have a one great revival. It's not going to be about doctrine. It's going to be about the person of Jesus Christ. God wants us to get to love him again. Look what it says again. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If we know that he is righteous, we know that everyone that does righteousness is born of God. But listen to this in closing. Beloved, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? Are you thankful for that? You sons, you daughters of God, because of the love of God, we talked about that. And then it says, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. But then listen to this. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. For we shall see him as he is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We shall be like him. Church, come up into your position. Know that that life in you is greater than Adam's death. Know that you have the victory. Nothing can conquer you. Jesus is your head. Take your victory. Come into your position. Come into fellowship with God. And let him mold your life. I said I'm finished, but you know, pastors, sometimes they say they're finished, then they don't finish. <laughs> if you're going to have this, you're going to have to have a little fire. A little burning, a dross away in our lives. How many agree with that? So I want to remind you that one of the names in the Old Testament, Malachi of Jesus, is he shall be like a refiner's fire. 
and he shall be like fuller soap. And it talks about the refiner of silver, and you know how that works. They put that fire on, they make it hot. All the residue comes to the front, it comes to the top, and they skim it off, and then they make it hotter, and they skim it again, then they make it hotter, and they skim it again, and they keep on letting that fire burn. Folks, we need some fire. And then the day comes that that refiner looks at himself and all he sees is his image and the gold is ready. Let's get the gold ready. Hallelujah. Get the gold ready. You got something big, something eternal in the heavenlies. All heavens cheering us on. Church, let's allow him, image, to reign in every Amen. Let's pray. God, help us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Was I too hard on you today? Thank you. It's the truth sets us free. God is good. But we don't want to misbetray what our purpose is. We are a light of the world. The church needs to come into this place. So God, we just thank you today. How many want to be like Jesus? Just come to the front. If you want to say, God, I want to be more like you, come to the front. Hallelujah. Hallelujah doesn't mean that usually the ones who come well praise God you want to be more than Jesus come thank you Lord thank you Lord hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus now Lord Jesus over this whole house today we just pray that there'll be a renewing, a gripping of your Holy Spirit in every one of our hearts. And God, you will just work that work, that work that no man can do, but you can. And God, you are within us. And Lord, we just ask, Father, today, set free, set out things of this world that block us, mindsets, habits. God, awaken us from apathy or lethargy. Help us to refocus today. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want you to reign in our hearts. We want to be ready for that day that will stand before you. And so God, work. Oh, gee. Come on, let's just all pray. If you want to pray in the spirit, if God gives you that blessing, let's just touch you.